If you have a Bible or the app on your phone, join me in the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews chapter 3 is where we're going to be in a moment. As you're finding the book of Hebrews, um, one of my favorite books that I've read within the past couple years is a book called Soul Keeping by John Ortberg. And in that book, he says this. He says, the soul seeks God with its whole being. Because it is desperate to be whole, the soul is God-smitten and God-crazy and God-obsessed. My mind may be obsessed with idols. My will may be enslaved to habits. My body may be consumed with appetites, but my soul will never find rest until it rests in God. My soul will never find rest until it rests in God. As a kid, I loved to sleep in front of the fan. I still do. In fact, I'll take naps. You can ask my fan. I'll take naps and lie down on the floor right in front or behind the box fan. Love it. Love that as a kid. Where I grew up in Mount Vernon, Ohio, we had a ranch-style home, and we had a long hallway where our bedrooms were. And most nights, especially in the summer, my dad would put the box fan in the middle of the hallway. And I would wait until everyone else was asleep. I'd wait till my parents went to bed, and then I would grab my blanket and my pillow, and I would walk down the hallway and lie down right in front of the box fan and sleep there all night. My dad hated it because he was 6'3", and he'd get up before I would. I'd be sprawled out in the hallway, and he'd be trying to stumble over me. Mark, what are you doing? Every time. Didn't matter. I just kept doing it. Probably not very obedient, but I just kept, I loved it. It was that place of rest for me. I looked forward to that moment. I longed to sleep in front of the fan. I still do. It's now as an adult, I love the beach. That's another place of rest for me. I love to go to the beach. I mean, I can do a lot of different things on vacation, but for me, true vacation is just going to the beach. I love to go to the beach because I don't have to do anything. I can just sit there all day in a chair and not think. And for my mind that is always racing, I need to just not think. No emails to reply to, no texts to respond to, just to sit there, hear the waves, and just be. Love it. Place of rest for me. Someone described rest this way. It means to relax into something and let it support you. And doesn't that just sound nice? I love that definition because that definition is like relaxing. Right? To To just relax into something and let it support you. And doesn't that just sound good? When I was reading that, it made me think of those big body beanbag pillows. You ever seen those things? Man, you're just like, dude, that just sounds great. To just kind of relax into that and let it support you, just to rest. I mean, maybe for you, it's your favorite couch, your favorite chair, whatever it is. 
I mean, wouldn't it be great to know that no matter what you're going through in life, no matter what you're experiencing, no matter what the struggle, no matter how difficult it might be right now for you as you follow Jesus, that you could always be experiencing rest, that you could always be in a state of rest? I mean, wouldn't that be great? Is that even possible? Well, today, as we continue through our study in Hebrews, the writer is going to reveal to us that it is possible. That that kind of rest is available. Up to this point, the writer has revealed to us that Jesus is the better prophet. Jesus is, is the better voice. A couple weeks ago, we saw how Jesus is better than the angels, which makes him worthy of all of our surrender, worthy of all of our worship. And this morning, what he's going to unveil to us is this reality that no matter what your circumstances are, no matter how difficult following Jesus might be for you right now, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't, don't give in. Keep going. Keep enduring. Keep trusting. Keep believing Jesus. Why? Because Jesus provides you rest. He promises you rest, a better rest. Hebrews chapter 3. Follow along as I read, if you would. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and are boasting in hope. Now let's, let's pause here for a moment. What's the writer doing? What he's doing in these first six verses is he's, he's showing us that Jesus is better than Moses. Now for you and me, we're like, we get that, right? We know that, but we can't forget who he's writing to. He's writing to a group of first century Jewish Christians who idolized Moses. They loved their Jewish ancestry. They loved the Old Testament. And we also know that if you were a follower of Jesus in the first century, it was difficult to follow Jesus. The struggle was real. If you were a follower of Jesus then, and people found out about it, it was likely you could get persecuted. You could be thrown in prison. You could be burned at the stake. So there's this temptation to go, wow, following Jesus is really hard. Maybe it would be easier if we just went back to following Moses. You know that, and just went back to the law and the list of do's and don'ts and rituals because I mean, I'm not going to get in trouble if I, if I do that. But following Jesus is hard. There's a threat of, of hurt and pain and suffering and persecution. And so there was this temptation amongst the, within the church, the Jewish Christians, that maybe it'd just be easier if we went back and followed Moses. And so right away, the writer's going, no, 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 no. no. I, I, Moses is cool. Moses is great. I mean, but Jesus is greater. Jesus is better. Moses was a servant. In God's house. He was serving God's people, but, but Jesus, he's the son. He's the king over God's people. See, you need to understand that, that Jesus is even better than Moses. 
And he starts out that way. And then what he's going to do in the remaining verses of chapter 3, chapter 3, verse 7, to actually verse 13 of chapter 4, is he's going to kind of take these, his readers back in time to a moment when the Jewish people rebelled against God. And because they rebelled against God and refused to believe God, they didn't enter, some of them didn't enter the promised land that God had told them he was giving them. And what we're going to see in the next verses is, is kind of like if you have kids, there's moments when, you know, we've sat down with our kids and we've told them stories about some of the bad choices we made growing up, or maybe we talked to them about their grandparents, some of the bad choices that their grandparents made growing up, right? We said, just don't do these things. Well, why do we tell them those stories? Because we don't want them to make the same mistake, right? We, we don't want them to make the same bad choices. So we tell our kids those stories, and we don't want them to miss out on those things that maybe we missed out on because of the bad choices we made. That's what the writer's going to do here in the next verses. He's going to take them back and say, listen, I want you to go back to your Jewish ancestry. I'm going to take you back to a moment when your ancestors, your great, 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 great Mima and Pop-Pops or whatever, I mean, when they rebelled against God, because they didn't trust God. And because of it, they didn't get to enter the promised land. So, so let's read this. And so as I read it from verse 7, chapter 3, to verse 13 in chapter 4, I want you to look for how the writer emphasizes rest in these verses. Chapter 3, verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brothers and sisters, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we've come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us, justice to them, but the message they heard didn't benefit them. Why? Because they weren't united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. As he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. Verse 6, since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again, he appoints a certain day today, saying, through David, so long afterward, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. 
For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all who are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Do you see his emphasis on rest over and over and over again? We read about 25 verses, and in those 25 verses, he mentions rest around 15 different times, or entering rest. He's trying to make a point. And as we read those verses, we see that the writer actually quotes from Psalm 95. Now, why Psalm 95? Well, Psalm 95, he quotes from that particular song because it was a song that the Jewish people would sing, remembering their history, that moment in history when they failed to enter the promised land. Well, what's that got to do with rest? What does failing to enter the promised land have anything to do with rest? Well, in the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verse 13, you don't need to turn there, but just listen. God is speaking and he says, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, and here's quoting God, The Lord, your God, is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. So God has said, listen, I'm giving you a land. I'm promising you a land. And then Moses reminds them, listen, and this land is a place of rest. So the promised land, that represented God's rest. And God said, listen, when you get into this land, I'm going to give you rest from enemies, rest from wandering. I'm going to put my presence there. And so you're going to be able to rest in my presence. And what the writer's doing is saying, listen, Don't make the same mistake as your grandparents did. They rebelled against God. They didn't trust God. And as a result, they missed out on experiencing God's rest. Don't make the same mistake. Don't give up. Keep following Jesus. Keep believing. Keep trusting him. Why? Because Jesus provides you rest. And he promises you rest. Well, what's that got to do with me? What's that got to do with you? Maybe you're here this morning. You are struggling in your relationship with God, in your walk with God right now. Maybe, maybe you're asking questions like, God, where are you? Why, God? Or maybe you're just struggling, and the voices that are telling you to give in to sin are just so loud in, in, in your life right now. And, and you're wondering, oh, how do I, how do I resist? What, why? Listen to the writer's plea. Don't give up. You keep following Jesus. You keep enduring. You keep persevering. Why? Because Jesus gives you rest. And he promises you a rest to come. Well, what kind of rest are we talking about here? Come on, Jones, help me out here. What kind of rest? That sounds great. But I'm guessing it's not that big body beanbag pillow either. What are we talking about? Well, the writer unpacks this for us in these two chapters. And I just want us to see this kind of rest that's available to us this morning. 
And first he says, this is a rest that you enter, you experience. Chapter 4, verse 1, while the promise of entering his rest. Verse 3 of chapter 4, for we who have believed enter that rest. Then he says, enter my rest. Verse 5, and again in this passage he said, they shall not enter my rest. Verse 6, since therefore it remains for some to enter it. This is a rest you can enter. It's a rest you can experience. And literally that word enter means you can come into it. It's not a fantasy. It's not just a wish. It's not just a longing. You can actually step into, you can actually come into this rest and experience it. Just like when you walked into the room, you experienced what was going on in this room. And the writer is saying, you, got, you can enter this rest, like you can step into it and come into it, and it can be yours. Just like, imagine like going to the ocean for the very first time, right? You go to the ocean, I mean, you've thought about it, you've longed for it, you can't wait to get there. So you roll up, right, in your station wagon, thinking about my past, right? We roll up in our station wagon or in our Chevy Astro van, right? And we roll and we're there and we, we're pumped. We can't wait. We've never been to the ocean before. And we get out and I could care less about the sand. I could care less. I'm just going straight toward the water because my parents have talked about the ocean, right? We, we've, I can't wait to experience it. And then I run and I run through the sand. You run through this and then you come to the edge of the water and then you step into the water, And the moment you step into the water, you're experiencing the ocean. But you don't experience it until when? You come into it. And that which was a fantasy, that which what I longed for, I couldn't wait for, God's saying, it's it's not a fantasy. This rest is real. And you can experience it now. Now. And over and over in this passage, he says, today, today, today. And so not only is this a rest you can enter, you can experience, but it's a rest now. Look at verse 4 of chapter 4. He says, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. Then verse 9 of chapter 4, he says, so then there remains a Sabbath rest, For the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Well, what kind of rest are we talking about? It's a rest you can experience, but a rest from what? Well, he's pretty specific there. It's a rest from work. It's a rest from works, like your vocation, like your job. What's he talking about? Well, what kind of rest are we talking, rest from work? And I think we need to go back to help understand that question or answer that question, what Jesus said back in the gospel of Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29. And if you're able, go find that with me. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29. We've heard this passage quoted multiple times, I believe. Matthew 11, 28, and 29. But I think we need to understand the context of who Jesus is talking to when he says these words. Jesus is talking to a bunch of religious people who thought they earned God's favor by crossing off the list. If I do this, do that, do this, do that, do this, do that, then God has to like me. He has to let me into heaven. So he's talking to a group of people that were, they thought all they had to do was just be a good person and work hard and God would let them in. 
But listen to what this rest is that Jesus describes. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29. He says, come to me, all who are laboring and are heavy laden. And what's he say? I will give you rest. I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And then check out this next phrase. And you will find rest for what? Your soul. Your soul, the deepest part of you. And so if we take what the Hebrews writer has to say about rest, that it's a rest from work, from working, from striving, from earning, and then we link that with what Jesus has to say about rest, rest for your soul. What we're seeing that this is a rest for your soul from having to earn and strive and work for God's approval and for God's love. And the writer's going, listen, this rest is for you now. Today, it's, it's, it's yours now. You can experience this rest in the deepest part of you now, this rest from striving, from earning, from trying to appease God so he'll forgive you, so he'll love you. Well, how is this kind of rest possible? Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. The writer starts the letter describing how this rest is possible. He says, referring to Jesus, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. And the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, what's Jesus do? He sat down. We've talked about this before. Why does Jesus sit down? Because the work is done. When you come home from work, you sit down. Why? Because work is over. And Jesus is saying, that's right. Raise a hallelujah. Why? Because Jesus says the work is done. You don't have to earn my love. You don't have to try to earn my approval. You don't have to strive for it. You don't have to try to earn it. Jesus, that's why I put Jesus on the cross. And if you you want evidence, just look at the stains of blood from our Savior on the cross. The work is done. It's done. You don't need to strive anymore to try to get God to like you or love you or win his approval. He said, no, that rest is for you now. How freeing is that? That your identity is not wrapped up in what you do for God, but what what God has done for you. That is so freeing. But if you're someone like me, some of us who've been followers of Jesus for a long time, we still feel like we've got to strive and make ourselves worthy to get God to love us, to like us. I struggle with that all the time perfectionist. And so I got to work hard and I do it. Why? Sometimes because I want the approval of people or I want the approval of God. And he's saying, listen, when it comes to you and God, you don't need to try to earn God's favor. You're not trying to work for it. You don't need to try to strive for it or earn it. God says, listen, I love you so much so that I did the work for you when I put my son on the cross and then raised him from the dead three days later. It's like, It's like Jesus, for your soul, he's like the big beanbag body pillow. For your soul. I mean, just, he's just saying, just, just let your soul just rest into me. Just come to me. And let that deepest part of you just rest in me and let me support you. Man, that's good news. That is good news for your soul. That is good news for the people we go to work with and live next door to. 
We're striving to find rest, but there's more about this rest. He says, not only is this rest for your soul now, but there's a rest for later, a rest to come. Verse 8 of chapter 4, he says, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God for whoever, for whoever has entered God's rest. So it's like you've entered it. You've also rested from his works as God did from his. Now that word remains. Cool little word. Great little English word. But when you look it up in the original language that the Bible is written in, it means to reserve. It means to reserve. So what the writer is saying, listen, there is reserved for you. There is reserved for you a day of rest. There's, so not only is he saying there is a rest that you can experience now in the deepest part of you, he's saying that there is a rest coming. There's a rest for you to come. Man, that's good news too. Well, what kind of rest is he talking about? This rest that's later, this future rest. I think to understand that, we can go to Revelation chapter 14, verse 12 and 13, and I'll read it for us. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit. And this is the Spirit saying that they may rest from their labors for their deeds follow them. Talking about these believers who who have died and going to be in the presence of the Lord in heaven. I think the future rest, this rest that's reserved for us is this rest in the presence of our Lord in heaven where there's no more suffering, no more pain, right? And there's coming a day when Jesus is going to come back and all that suffering, pain, and struggle is just going to, we're just going to be in his presence forever. So not only is there a rest for the deepest part of you now, he's saying that if, if you're in Jesus and Jesus is in you, he's promised you a rest to come. And so we, you keep working because he's prepared good works for us in advance to do, right? The Bible says, so we keep working for the Lord and Keep seeking to make disciples until the Lord calls us home or until Jesus comes back. And we keep looking to that day because when that day comes, there is rest. Rest from the struggle, rest from the temptation, rest from the pain. I don't know about you, but when we've gone on vacation and we've had to reserve places, we've used that website VRBO. Yeah, anybody use that? Know what I'm talking about? All right, VRBO. I think it means vacation rental by owner. Right? I'm good on that. I don't know what I mean. I just go to it because you can reserve your spot. All right, so I've looked on there and I've gone on there for different places when we wanted to reserve a space at the beach. All right, going to the beach. And so we'll go on there and, you know, we'll look at different places. Then you put in your dates where you're going to go and then you have access to actually talk to the owner of the property. Now imagine this. Imagine that I get an email from an owner from VRBO and he says, hey, got a place for you. And there's a date coming, got it all paid, paid for it in full. Seriously? Absolutely. You're coming. I've got a place for you. It's all good to go. I'm paying for it. It's reserved. I'm sending you the receipt. All right? And just as a guarantee that you know that it's paid for. And when you get here, have a great time. Just have a great time. Just rest. I just want you to rest. I'll stop by, I'll be there, and we'll get to meet each other. Be... You see where I'm going with this? All right, Jesus has promised you a place of rest, a reserved place, and he's already paid for it. 
And the guarantee is the spirit of Jesus that lives inside you. He's put, the Bible says, the spirit in you as a guarantee of what he has waiting for you. And what he is waiting for you is to a place of rest in his presence once and for all. When he returns, and, he, and it's as if the writer is going, listen, I know following Jesus is hard right now. I know the struggle is real right now. And I know you feel like giving up, but don't. Don't give up. Why? Because Jesus will give you rest. And I, actually, he is the rest, which we're going to see in a minute. And he's promised you a rest to come, so just hold on. Just, just hold on. And then he goes on and he says, this rest is actually supplied by God himself. He says, my rest, chapter 3, verse 11. Chapter 4, verse 1, he says, while entering the promise of his rest, verse 3, he calls it my rest. Verse 9, for whoever has entered God's rest. This is a, this is a rest that comes from God himself. Think about that for a moment. Think about a rest that's coming from the God of the universe to you. That's amazing to me. If we just pause and think on that, that the God of the universe is wanting to give you this supernatural divine rest. And if we go back and we look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, what Jesus says, come to me. Jesus saying, come to me. Why? I'm going to give you rest. So Jesus is linking this rest with his presence. He's linking this rest that you get now in the deepest part of you and that he's promising to you later. He's like, you get this rest, this promise when you come to me. And when you come to me, I'm going to give you this rest. And I think he's saying it because he's the rest. He's linking his presence with this. He's saying, come to me, I'm going to give you this. It's like stepping into the ocean, right? I mean, you just, you don't get it until you step in. And, but once you step in the water, you're experiencing the ocean. And there's no ocean without the water. And there's no rest, true rest, now and later without Jesus. Without Jesus. So you say, man, this sounds pretty good. I hope it sounds pretty good. I would love this, man. How in the world do I get this? How do I experience this kind of rest? Remember the writers taking them back to a moment in the history when the Jewish ancestors missed out? Why? Why did they miss out on the rest? He tells us, verse 12 of chapter 3, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. Verse 19 of chapter 3, So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Verse 2, for good news came to us. Chapter 4, verse 2, for good news came to us, justice to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them. Why? Because they were not united by faith. Then here it is, verse 3, for we who have believed enter that rest. What kept God's people from walking into the promised land was their unbelief. They didn't take God at his word. And there was a group of them that just... They failed to trust God when struggling God got hard. And the writer's going, listen, if you're in Christ, you have that rest. You have it now and you have it promised to you. It's yours now. 
So keep holding on to Jesus. Don't give up. Keep following him. Keep believing him. Keep clinging to him. Listen, every sin, every temptation that you and I struggle with has at its root unbelief and has as its result unrest. Every sin, every struggle. Let me give you some examples. Name the sin you struggle. Well, don't name it out loud. Just in your mind, all right? You can if you want, but we love you. Feel free. We want that openness, vulnerability, but we'll allow you just to think on it for a moment. Name the sin you struggle with. Is it your temper? Man, I had a horrible temper as a kid. Throwing ping pong paddles at my dad because I was get angry. I mean, just mean. We lose our temper and take matters into our own hands. Why? Because we don't trust God's justice is better. So we take matters into our own hands. We're impatient. Why? Because we don't really believe that God's timing is better. We lust. Why? Because we don't believe God truly satisfies We're lazy because we don't believe God's way of working hard is better. And we elevate ourselves because we don't believe elevating God is better. There's this ripple effect of unbelief. And he takes them back in their history. He says that ripple effect led them to disobedience, which led them to sin, which led them to no rest. And so on the flip side of that, what he wants them to understand is that, so you experience this rest, right, by believing by surrendering, by trusting God, by taking God at his word. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any, any two-edged sword. He's, so he's saying, listen, surrender to the promise of Jesus. Surrender to Jesus. Keep coming to him and lean into him. Come to me, Jesus, and I will give you rest. And one of the things I love to do at the ocean is body surf. Love it. Not a good sight having this 46-year-old body come flying at you if you're standing on shore, right? And I'm just like, there's a mass whale coming at you. What is, oh, it's a human. And it's, whoa, it's, wow. Okay, so he's coming at you. I love to do that, though. I pity the people on the shore, but I love it. But to body surf, what do you have to do? You have to go all in. It's full committal. You can't be like, I think I'll try it this way. No, or maybe I'll just put my feet. Uh, no, it's like poof, all in. You're watching the wave. Here comes the water. I cannot wait to go in and poof, let that bad boy take me. Love it. Gas my family. I love it. Always have. I totally enjoy it. But for me to experience the water over me, I have to go all in. I have to, it's full surrender. It's full committal. And that's what he's saying. He says, listen, just trust the ocean. Trust Jesus. Let it take you. Let it just relax into Jesus and let him support you. Just don't give up. Keep going. Keep enduring. Keep following. Why? Because Jesus had come to me and what? Here's the promise. I will give you, say it, church. I will give you what? Rest. I will give you, say it, rest give you rest. And so if you're here struggling and you know someone who's struggling to find rest this morning, or maybe you sense your heart is hardening to the things of God, or you have friends that are finding it hard to resist those voices of sin or whatever, just, and you're asking questions of why God or where and all this stuff, hear the, 
Hear the plea from the writer. Don't give up. Jesus loves you. He loves you. Don't give up. And hear Jesus say to you this morning, just relax into me. Just relax. Let me support you. I love you. Come to me. All you who labor. Just keep coming. I will give you, say it, church, rest. Rest.